0: Welcome back from the summer break. We are here for a new Nodioni Mind podcast, and we are me, you want and Victor Sonnebeck. Great to have you here, Victor. Glad to be back. And nice to be in the studio again, I think, with a new hot podcast. Topic. I think
1: we've been, been saying it before, both with the, the nice to be in the studio and the hot topic, but, but I guess this time it's, it's extra true, uh, with it being after the summer and, and being quite an ec-
0: exciting topic and, and a different topic. For sure. And the topic, of course, this time is cryptocurrencies. Uh, what we are writing about in our freshly released Nordea on Mind report. Um, cryptocurrencies has been all over the news and in the past only couple of years has seen a, a massive hype. And we felt this was a topic that we really wanted to delve into and to offer a bit of insight in a easily digestible and somewhat lighthearted format for our listeners and of course for the readers of the reports. And what we wanted was to take a look at why this hype, where is it all coming from, and particularly as always when we write about these topics, take a corporate perspective as well. In If you are a large corporate, how should you think about this? Is this something you will have to start considering uh, using in your business? But out of interest, Victor, when did you first hear about cryptocurrencies?
1: After uh, having a thought about it, uh, I think I first heard about them maybe 10 years ago. Might be eight or nine or ten, so somewhere along those lines, um, and, and that was mostly, you know, through through online forums or reading, uh, reading news articles, etc., about th- this kind of new phenomenon and th- that is uh, cryptocurrencies, and, and in the beginning, it, it had to to do uh, a lot with uh, Bitcoin specifically. I've never really been involved when it comes to, to cryptocurrencies, uh, you know, trading or, or owning cryptocurrencies, but I've always found them kind of fascinating, with you know this. This new type of technology and, and this, this general hype uh, that, that's that's been about uh, for, for quite some time. Uh, so I I followed them, you know, and, and try to to keep up with all the technological developments and, and what it's all about. And I guess specifically an interest in in you know the, the kind of societal aspect of uh, of, of it all. Uh, how does it work? But also what implications uh, can it have? Um, which is why we're here today, I guess, uh, to talk further about. How about you, Johan? When did you first hear about uh, cryptocurrencies?
0: A good question, and, and and if I think about it, I think if you want to go back maybe six or seven years ago, the first I can think of here, uh, having having heard about cryptocurrencies, would be reading thrillers or spy novels, where criminal activity was using cryptocurrency for, for payment. Um, and then, after that, I would have heard about it, uh, not least Three years ago, when we wrote our Dion On Your Mind report about uh, cybercrime, where, of course, it became an important tool, an important feature uh, in ransomware attacks uh, against right, corporates yeah. and institutions uh, as, as a way to uh, demand payment uh, to be received anonymously uh, by by the hackers in question. But cryptocurrencies, part of the reason, of course, from our point of view for bringing this up is to get a better understanding and, and, and share our understandings and insights on this topic uh, with our listeners in what it is and how this all works. And, and I think we have to start with the basics and, and we probably need to build an understanding by looking at this in the context of money and payments and 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 without giving a sort of long lecture on it just as a reflection if we think way back into the dawn of civilization for humanity humans have traded with each other since since the very earliest civilizations we've had on this planet and 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 barter as a way of trading has pretty severe limitations if i have a camel and you have a axe and we trade those with each other, well then there is a necessity that you want a camel and I want an axe and we're both okay with that transaction. But there is no sort of exchange rate for camels or axes or other goods. It's, it's very ad hoc. It's very, very clumsy in, in in many, many ways, and we can't store any value. It, it's
1: difficult to buy your morning coffee with uh, with an axe or a, or a camel.
0: Oh. And and if you want to have a wallet with camels, it's also somewhat complicated for a for a, a, a regular citizen um, to uh, to fix that logistically. So, so, so it's, it's pretty understandable and obvious why we saw an evolution uh, in human civilization towards using some other means of exchange or specifically in the early days, money, when the money was made out of precious commodities like gold or silver and then had an inherent value. Uh, And then the next step in the evolution was what is usually called, not least in the media reporting around cryptocurrencies, fiat currencies, which is what we could, I guess, call paper money, uh, or at least money, uh, which has no inherent value, but which is really a claim against the institution that has issued it and and whose value is completely dependent on the financial health and perceived financial strength and health of that institution, whether it's a a nation through its central bank, typically. And the big question here, then, when it comes to cryptocurrencies, would that be the next step in this evolution? It's digital, but today's money, fiat money, is actually predominantly digital. Most of the money in the world is not really bills and coins, but it's actually balances in accounts, uh, which is digital. So so money is today already digital, but cryptocurrencies are different from fiat currencies and different from digital money, generally speaking. Uh, so, so I'm just thinking, how, how would you try to describe what cryptocurrency really is? is uh, just just to
1: add to your point there that that we are mostly using digital transactions today right uh, and especially in the nordic uh, region uh, where we've been at at you could say the forefront of of uh, adopting this more kind of digital mindset uh, when it comes to uh, to payments uh, for example, here in stockholm you have you have quite a lot of places with signs saying no cash, only card uh, whereas if you go further south uh, south and, uh, down to Germany, for example, uh, you would often see the the opposite as we um, by the
0: way described in our mind report cash in the digital economy exactly uh, three yeah. and a half years ago. yeah. So for anybody interested, there you can find out all about this. Building up to this one.
1: And yeah, I, I guess one kind of key aspect here is that, the, the you know, take a transaction here in the Nordics. Uh, if you go to buy coffee or your groceries or whatever, uh, typically you pay by card. And just to kind of summarize what actually happens is that you have a trusted third party as a middleman between the seller and the buyer, right? So, so you have a third party kind of pro- providing the security, if you will, for the transaction. And one of the cornerstones of of, uh, cryptocurrencies and and why they are called cryptocurrencies is because you don't have this third party for for verification purposes or or security in the transaction network. Uh, Instead, you have a decentralized network, so a peer-to-peer system. And with that, you, of course, have problems related to network security and, and whether or not the transaction in itself is actually real. Or, or if someone is, is trying to trick the system or, or spending money they don't, they don't have. So in this comes the, the kind of cryptography part and what makes the, the, the decentralized networks actually function. Which is that you have a system of typically a public ledger. So a public record keeping of the status of this, this uh, cryptocurrency network. So who owns what coins and who has has sent coins to who etc and in order to secure this this public ledger uh, you need to use uh, cryptography so that people can't change the ledger uh, and what i'm talking about here with, with calling it a ledger it, it's uh, what we call the blockchain and and some would argue uh, I, and i would be among them uh, that the blockchain technology this way of being able to have security in a network that is decentralized is perhaps one of the main uh, innovations with bitcoin because this this came along with the design of uh, of bitcoin and how this works is that you have this public ledger of, of uh, who owns what and uh, who, who has uh, done what transactions uh, and you keep updating this as you go and as you make more transactions and this is where the name blockchain comes from because each block in the blockchain contains this this uh, ledger this status uh, if you will of the of the network.
0: So if I buy something from you in the traditional way I have a bank account and you have a bank account and then there might be a credit card that I use to pay you and then the money through this chain through the banks and the credit card provider moves from my bank account to your bank account and you give me whatever it is that I bought from you and then we know that the banks are regulated and we can trust them to send the money across and we can trust them not to try to cheat us etc etc but how is that actually enforced in the blockchain that you described how how can you feel certain that you're not going to get cheated how how is it verified that money i transfer to you reaches you so
1: the blockchain itself is what programmers would call secure by design so it's designed in a way that uh, multiple participants in this blockchain so on this network uh, multiple participants uh, are the so-called miners and they validate transactions and one way of of um, kind of keeping them from just validating any and all transactions that they want to validate, uh, you know, kind of spamming the system or trying to, to, to trick the system in some way, uh, is what is called a consensus mechanism. And this consensus mechanism is, is kind of a, a way for the network to, to see that uh, we are actually validating transactions in the same way. So if you have 100 validators in the system and, and uh, 98 of them say one thing and two of them says something else, you could be pretty sure that the other two are not correct. And a way of, of making sure uh, that that uh, these network participants, these validators, the, the Bitcoin miners, uh, one way of making sure that they are actually kind of invested in their validation so that they don't just validate everything, is to make them spend energy. So, so this is what, what was called a proof-of-work system uh, for consensus mechanism in the blockchain. And why you have this is, uh, as I said, to, to make sure that the people involved in the blockchain are, are also invested. They're, they're spending money in order to, to validate uh, transactions, for example. And what
0: do they get back for spending this energy and this money doing this right. validation? So, so in the case of Bitcoin
1: and, and um, a lot of other cryptocurrencies, uh, the only way to create new currency, so the only way to, way to create more Bitcoins or, or create more of, of another uh, currency is through this uh, mining process. Uh, and what happens is that a miner create uh, a block that they add to the blockchain. And as a reward for doing so, uh, they receive some newly created coins. So that's from the blockchain itself, but they also receive a transaction fee. Uh, from from uh, yeah, the people who are trying to do a transaction in order to, to pay for their, their services.
0: So there is a smart incentive structure in place to ensure that people are not going to get defrauded or scammed. But at the same time, there is a sustainability uh, or ESG dimension to this in that this will require a lot of energy, right? Uh, exactly,
1: because the very design of this proof-of-work structure, which Bitcoin, for example, uses, is that you have to spend energy. You have to spend power, computational power, which uh, costs money in the end. Spend and it spends a lot of energy. Um, we've seen some estimates of, of the Bitcoin network using, you know, the same amount of electricity as Argentina uses in a in a year, and that's obviously not uh, not sustainable in, in any way. But this is only one way to 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 have this consensus uh, consensus mechanism. This is only one way to verify that these miners, the, the validators in the network, are actually. Uh, legit Uh, so so there's another way uh, which which uh, quite a few um cryptocurrencies actually use uh, use which is called uh, proof of stake and the fundamental is still the same which is that a validator in the network needs to to have some sort of skin in the game right they need to be invested in the network Uh, but where proof of work requires the, the, the miners to spend a lot of energy, proof of stake simply requires the validators to, to or it chooses the validators based on how much they have uh, in this cryptocurrency. So the more you have, the more skin in the game you have in, in making sure that it's legit and it's, it's secure. Uh, so therefore you, you have a kind of higher validation power.
0: In the system. And you mentioned Bitcoin, which of course was the first real cryptocurrency seeing uh, a following and starting to be used in a major way, which has grown to become the most important one by far, right?
1: Yes, so you've had other, you know online currencies before uh, going back to the 90s you've had you know e cash or digital money etc but but Bitcoin is the first of its kind you could say so the first using this decentralized network with the cryptography so, so it's it's very innovative uh, in that sense uh, and um, yeah today I mean it, it's it has this kind of first mover advantage uh, you could say uh, with with the market cap currently being almost half of the entire cryptocurrency uh, market cap uh, with other newer uh, cryptocurrencies uh, gaining. And I guess uh, a lot of you, or perhaps some of you, have heard about the name uh, Satoshi Nakamoto, which is the, the creator, the founder of, of uh, Bitcoin. Um, but the kind of interesting thing here, the, the enigma that is, is, uh, is the founder of Bitcoin, is that you don't really know who he or she or, or they is or are. You don't know who, who has actually created Bitcoin. And it all started with with a a white paper uh, some some 12, 13 years ago, detailing just the design of this decentralized network. Uh, And then it it grew into uh, what it is today and how it functions. So kind of a mysterious background.
0: Interesting to not know where this, the world's biggest cryptocurrency in use today actually came from. Very
1: interesting. Um, And as we've seen since, uh, especially in in more recent years, uh, there have been quite a few more cryptocurrencies Uh, In total, I think there are some 6,000 cryptocurrencies. Uh, But of course, not all of them are are, uh, very big. But um, yeah, there are some others that are are quite large. Uh, Would you give some examples?
0: Absolutely. I mean, we, we, we have Ether, uh, and then you would have to mention Dogecoin. One of my favorites. It, there, there's no way around it, right? Uh, and, uh, what started off as a joke, as a parody uh, on cryptocurrencies, uh, created in a couple of hours, uh, today has a total market cap of forty over 40 billion US dollars. Very cute dog meme uh, on the coins. So, as we have already hinted on a couple of occasions here, massive hype within cryptocurrencies, and, and particularly in the past couple of years, it has really gathered prey. Uh, And and, and what we have seen is that there's been a stellar performance for the prices of these cryptocurrencies. There is obviously a huge interest in getting exposure to these and investing in them. And just to put this in perspective, if we we look, say, from mid-2015 up until today, the global equity market has increased about 100%, which is a big number. But but to compare that, if we take cryptocurrencies, total crypto market cap is up 15,000%. Or Sorry, not total crypto market cap, but... Bitcoin total market cap is up 15,000% compared with 100% for the equity market. That gives some sort of sense of how much interest has been attracted and how much money has flowed into investing in and getting exposure to these. And and to compare that with something in turn, looking at today's total market cap for all cryptocurrencies in the world, that has actually moved above $2 trillion. And And to compare that with something that is almost 20% of the value of all the gold in the world today and and that is interesting given that the cryptocurrencies don't really have an obvious in inherent value. There is a technology there which has some sort of use presumably but, but there is no inherent value as in a spot market price for a precious metal such as gold. Or
1: some would argue you know, in a fiat currency that is backed by government uh, you could pay taxes with it. There is some sort of value.
0: Absolutely and I guess we'll come back to that in a few moments in in, in the sort of case for using cryptocurrencies where that is an argument that is often heard by, by certain uh, proponents at least. Also worth mentioning that this incredible stellar performance for cryptocurrency prices has been accompanied by by a massive level of volatility. So looking at the volatility, annualized volatility for the global equity market or for gold, it, it's somewhere in between 10 and 30%. Uh, whereas for cryptocurrencies, it's more like 100%. So, so we're talking between three and 10 times the volatility of, of, of those other asset classes. Quite a difference. So not for the faint of heart, I think it's fair to say looking at the journey so far. But seeing that drama Seeing what an incredible hype has, has, has clearly been there for these cryptocurrencies, I guess I guess the key question would have to be, what has driven this? What, what would you say, if I asked you, if you want to single out one particular driver or, or, or a few drivers, what, what would you say has been behind all this?
1: I I I will answer your your question with one specific driver. Um but, but first I want to mention a few different ones that that are typically kind of thrown around as as drivers for this crypto boom. Um some more uh, more kind of fundamentally sane th- than others. Um and and uh, these are typically you know talks about financial inclusion, so, so, so people who are outside of the current banking system uh, being able to access access to capital markets via a crypto network, uh, for example. And there are talks about you know in, in, in inflation hedging, so using cryptocurrencies as a means of of uh, storing value, uh, pretty much, and, and trying to av- uh, avoid uh, massive inflation in, in fiat currencies.
0: Because you're afraid that the dollar or the euro or the Norwegian krona or whatever it might be is going to collapse.
1: Uh, exactly, uh, you don't want to see see the the Euro experience, the, the Weimar Republic mark or the Zimbabwean dollar. Uh, and, and that's kind of one of the arguments as well. Um, and then you have this this hunt for yield uh, f- for institutions or, or, or corporates with, you know, having cash sidelined. They want to do something with it, uh, trying to find, find alternative investments. Uh, and some argue that, you know, cryptocurrencies could be one of those. Uh, and then you have, have the last one, which is uh, anonymity. Uh, which, you know, for a few cryptocurrencies, sure, it, it's quite an anonymous network, but for a lot of them, uh, we wouldn't say that it's really, you know, that hidden from the public eye or, or that it's that anonymous. It kind of differs a bit. So answering your question, what would be the one driver? Uh, and this, I, I think we we undoubtedly would have to say is uh, speculation. So retail investors or, or speculators speculating in, in cryptocurrencies.
0: And how much of demand for cryptocurrencies today would you say is coming from retail investors?
1: So, so it's, it's kind of hard to find you know exact figures on all of this. Uh, but one thing that we've done is to look at, at uh, uh, one of the, the recently IPO'd uh, companies on the US uh, stock market, which is a Coinbase, uh, which is one of, the, one of the largest crypto exchanges in the world. I think it's the largest in the US. And looking at their financial data, uh, so for the half year uh, 2021, so the first half of the year, uh, we see that of their transaction value, uh, their transaction revenue in the company, uh, which is the, the, the vast majority of their revenue stream, um, 95% comes from, from what they classify as retail uh, investors and, and 5% from them what they classify as institutional investors. So, so it's from the data you can find, it's quite clear that it's, it's, it's retail speculation
0: or investing. And anonymity is an interesting feature, right? Because there, there is an argument to be made that in the age of big data all of us who are citizens who are consumers should get some benefit from offering our data to various platform providers when we when we do things online right and and, and and that i guess is something you could say would be in favor of cryptocurrencies if they are able to offer greater anonymity than fiat currencies but ultimately if if you if you really look at this in depth you know, we would argue that the the genuine real massive value from anonymity would come from being involved in illicit activity that's when the incentive is there in a convincing way that you don't want to be discovered. You don't want others to see what it is you have bought or sold or transferred. And and, and that's also something you see a lot in, in in the media reporting around cryptocurrencies and also recently in, in noises and comments made by regulators worldwide that there is a concern about crypto being used for criminal purposes and how much of crypto transactions are related to illicit activity. That depends very much on who you ask. And... and, and There is, on the one hand, one uh, firm called Chainalysis, uh, based in the US, who are estimating that it's actually around 1% of total volume, which is related uh, for all cryptocurrencies to illicit activity. But if you look at other studies, such as one sponsored by Oxford University, uh, the number is more like 46% for Bitcoin specifically and 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 we think that the truth lies in between but certainly closer to the 46% than 1% just because if you say 1% then you include all exchanging of fiat currency into cryptocurrency in what you call volume and then you take a percentage of that when you measure how much is criminal and how much is not criminal and and exchanging fiat currency into crypto is never criminal that that's that's completely unrelated to whatever it is that you transfer your cryptocurrency uh, to and and for what purpose
1: it's not a very relevant uh, comparison you could say you know comparing actual transactions with, with just exchanging uh, fiat for for crypto
0: so looking at what happens within cryptocurrency is what they're actually used for and then looking at the estimate of 46 percent well whether or not it's actually 46 it's a pretty significant number and and, and that means that it's clearly motivated to see this as as a, as a factor of potential concern.
1: Uh, and I guess that, that has to do in some ways also with, with you know, the, the current use case for cryptos. Because if you are a, a person, as you, you or I, or some of our listeners, um, having cryptocurrencies, you know, you can't really use them all that frequently or at that many shops. Of course, there are some companies offering you to pay in, in, in cryptocurrencies or, or uh, yeah, uh, trying at least to market themselves as, as being able to. Um, but they're not that many they're quite few uh, and i don't think that there is really as of yet at least uh, th- this large demand amongst the public for being able to pay with cryptos because well for me at least it works just fine with my credit card <laughs> but if you turn it around then and, and look at these these corporates who are already perhaps offering Uh, people uh, to to pay in cryptocurrencies, but also more broadly, uh, you want to take the corporate perspective. So so given uh, everything that we've researched and looked into, how should a corporate think about this? Is there currently a use case for cryptos? Can we see one uh, materializing?
0: There is a pretty easy answer to that one, which is no. Uh, And that's obviously a a broad generalization. But exactly as you put it, if you or I go down to the beach and want to buy an ice cream, we're not going to be able to pay with Bitcoin or Dogecoin or or, or anything similar for that. Um, We we will have to pay in cash or using traditional means, such as a mobile wallet or a credit card or whatever. And and looking at the potential opportunities for consumers out there, whether they be corporate or private individuals, to to make use of cryptocurrencies, to make purchases, those are are very limited, and and, and we don't really see that changing at any dramatic pace right now. In theory, there could be benefits to be had from, in society, making a big shift from using traditional payment systems to cryptocurrencies instead. You, You could find a totally different situation in your need to manage foreign exchange risks, counterparty risks, and operational risks, but in order for those benefits to become available, there would have to be a 100% shift in society to all of us always using cryptocurrencies for everything. As long as there is still a need to exchange from fiat currencies into crypto and the other way around, those risks remain there to be managed. Plus, and this is a very important point, there is the matter of regulation. And you mentioned before, when you described the payment system we have today and and how that differs from a cryptocurrency-based payment system, there is the issue of of trust. Uh, Trusted third parties who execute the payments and and, and who, well, safeguard value by, by offering accounts, deposits. And if we subject cryptocurrencies to the same sort of regulation that the banking system has globally today, it also becomes a very different matter in how much more efficient, how much cheaper how much faster could it be? And, and and with today's playing field, that use case is not there.
1: Uh, and with some of the more popular cryptocurrencies today, even if we don't subject them to the same regulations, they aren't really that competitive in terms of transaction speed or transaction cost, for example.
0: Exactly. And we know for a fact that if we take Bitcoin as one example, the average transaction cost in a Bitcoin Transfer in the past year has been ten dollars, and ten dollars for a single payment for us as private individuals consumers. I don't want to buy an ice cream for two dollars and then have to pay an additional ten in in, in a transaction fee.
1: But I want to throw in there um, just 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 for, for the sake of it. You want that, that? I mean, we're talking about the actual use for cryptocurrencies right now, and, and that's a, a different discussion than talking about you know the use for, for example, blockchain technology and so, so what we're saying is that today there's simply no use case or no real use case for people in society or for corporates in, in using cryptocurrencies. Uh, but there are for sure uh, some some exciting things developing when it comes to, to you know, blockchain technology or blockchain-like technology. Uh, when it comes to, to having a kind of um, database that is, that is able to handle smart contracts, for example, which some cryptocurrencies network today actually can do. Uh, or where you have specific use cases, uh, for example, the, the cryptocurrency XRP on the, on the Ripple network, where there's quite a clear use case uh, uh, in that they developed it in order to facilitate uh, cross-border payments uh, within financial institutions. So using this cryptocurrency as a token for something real. So, so there are different use cases for sure, um, but when we're talking about cryptocurrencies broadly, uh, then, then perhaps we're, we're not as uh, as positive uh, as when it comes to uh, to what can happen or what may happen in the oh, blockchain and, and, and,
0: and not from today's vantage point. And, and having said all that. Uh, the technology will continue to evolve for sure and that's why we and all of you listeners should obviously keep an eye out for what's going to happen next here on the horizon uh, this this may all change but we're looking at situation as we can see it from this vantage point and with all that in mind it it, it, it it's simply not there but there, there's another angle as well which i think is at least equally worthwhile highlighting in terms of what's going to happen to the use and adoption and, and, and proliferation of, of of cryptocurrencies which would be Are today's monopoly holders on the rights to issue currency, in other words, governments through central banks, are they simply going to say, "Okay, so we'll give up and we'll let uh, programmers, coders through these cryptocurrencies just start issuing currency instead. We'll just step aside and let all this happen.
1: Uh, And they very obviously will not. I I think we can all agree. (laughs) agree with that. Um, and we've seen that developing f- for quite a few years as well w- with different uh, different governments around the world uh, investigating their own digital money. It's not the same as cryptocurrencies, but but, but following the development in society and cryptocurrencies, uh, taking the initiative to start investigating their own digital money. And we also see a lot of, of uh, regulators being very active as of late uh, with regards to how can we regulate uh, the cryptocurrency market. Uh, with regards to c- regulating uh, how the, the cryptocurrency exchange changes work uh, but also if we take uh, china for, for an example as an example they've actually been been quite early with uh, you know banning uh, transactions in cryptocurrencies so i think it was in in 2017 that they actually banned uh, people from exchanging the the renminbi uh, for cryptocurrencies and um, through doing that uh, pretty much closed down all the all the exchanges in the country and we see a lot of activity uh, recently fr- from us regulators uh, talking about the 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 cryptocurrency market and and how they should go about uh, regulating it from from various angles uh, and of course from a, from a, another perspective the what we talked about earlier uh, the the environmental aspect um, with you know uh, corporates and society as a whole being under pressure to to. Uh, perform better with regards to to environmental aspects, Uh, and having a a network such as Bitcoin using the same amount of energy as as an entire country, of course, that's going to draw some some angry looks.
0: Starting to round off with, again, the corporate perspective, which of course is always important to us, uh, having those readers in mind. The way we would describe how we think that corporates should think about this from what the playing field for cryptocurrencies looks like today is probably best summarized in the text that uh, is on the cover of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which is, don't panic, in big friendly letters. Uh, There is no need to feel panicked if you're a large corporate today in, oh, do I need to ensure that we have capabilities within the coming weeks, months, year or two, to be able to execute cryptocurrency payments, receive payments or make payments in crypto. We don't think there is such a desperate need. And and that is really because of what we have said about there not being such a widespread possibility in the economies in the world today for consumers to make crypto payments for for ordinary regular life, daily life purchases that we make. And, And we don't see that changing in a drastic way anytime soon. What we think corporates should do is just to ensure that they have at least a basic understanding of what cryptocurrencies are and to follow the developments and to stay informed. Because as you mentioned, Victor, these technologies are developing. There will be interesting applications for blockchain technology. There may be cryptocurrencies who offer new functionalities which are of genuine use to corporates. And then being informed, having an understanding means that it will be much easier for corporates to decide, have we now got to the point where there is actually an interest, a demand from the supply side or from the demand side from our customers, meaning that we should press the button and make some investments in building capabilities to be able to, tra- to tra- transact in crypto if that situation arises. So, so
1: more of a proactive wait-and-see approach rather than a commitment.
0: Absolutely. And not a passive wait-and-see, just hoping that things are going to blow over. We don't think it's going to blow over. But a proactive wait-and-see to make sure that you don't make big commitments today, which may turn out to be misplaced because the technology moved in a different direction or the breakthrough didn't really arrive.
1: Don't get uh, drawn into uh, the
0: hype. Exactly. I would love to talk a lot more about this, but I think we should probably try and... uh, restrain ourselves a little bit and uh, at least mention that we have more interesting topics coming up, of course. So we will conclude this talk here, Victor. Um, Fun as always, but we will then be able to look forward to our next topic in Nordea Mind reports, um, where we are in our next report going to look at the title Office Space. Uh, Before and after COVID kind of analysis with changed behaviors, particularly changed work patterns, uh, where we want to explore what might this mean for how we work going forward, where we will work, how we will do it, and what this might mean for the need for and, and the use of uh, office premises. So thank you all very much for listening and look forward to uh, talking more about this next topic next time.